something I've learned from her passing is that a relationship with someone doesn't end after they die. Like you can absolutely still not just do you have the relationship you once had, but you can develop your relationship with someone after they've passed. And my way of developing my relationship with my mom has been learning Spanish and knowing myself in Spanish. That's your constant. I used to have like seven or eight necklaces, but I had this phase, which I'm no longer in. Um, you'll know why I'm giving you that caveat in a second. But I had this phase for a second where whenever someone would compliment one of my necklaces, I'd just give it to them. Oh. And then I just rent. So it, there's we're, we're running low on necklaces. <laughs> <laughs> David Yerman, step up. <laughs> well, no, they weren't. I were, like, there were ones I knew I wouldn't give away. Like these three are all quite like sentimental so i wasn't giving these ones away but i would like even though it's such a nice necklace these ones these are <laughs> no, like, joke, joke. there were a couple there were a couple that were really yeah. nice but i'd like gotten them from stylists like okay. on different shoots or like so they been given something. them by brands so i like didn't have an issue giving them away mm. these ones were too special so I, I keep these but i need to start accumulating you know the occasional necklace so i can go back to my yeah because it's just a fun thing to do so it i really is. love your likeness you can have it and people <laughs> yeah. like what yeah well, JP Sachs, welcome to the Gents Talk Pod. Thanks for having me. Like, you know, there are those cultures where, like, there's this is, I don't think exclusive to one culture, but there's a few different cultures where if you compliment something in someone's home, they'll just try and give it to you. Yeah. Like, I wanted to do that. Middle Eastern like, cultures yeah, yeah. are like that. My parents are like that. Really? Yeah. It's like, if you say something's nice, it's either they'll try to give it to you or they'll make sure, they'll remember it and they'll make sure that the next occasion or the next time they're invited over, they bring the thing. That's so So cool. no matter what happens, you are getting it. I love that. <laughs> it's, nice. it's such a kind, nice. like warm-hearted thing. What country in the Middle East are your parents from? Lebanon. Lebanon, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you been? I have not been to Lebanon. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's got its issues, but it's No, beautiful. I really want to go. Yeah. One of my best friends got married in Beirut, and yeah. I really wanted to go. I don't know why I couldn't. Um, the only place I've been in the Middle East is the Emirates. Mm. Um, but Did you like it? I loved Abu Dhabi. Yes. I did not love Dubai. Dubai, yeah. Um, my first like family in Los Angeles mm -hmm. were my first two best friends in Los Angeles were these two Saudi girls. <laughs> um, and it was like a year into LA because I moved with a buddy of mine in Toronto. His name is Phil, who I've hung out with the last couple of nights. It's been so nice to see him. <laughs> so we had like a year where we didn't know anyone in LA and it was kind of just the two of us. And then he left at the year mark and about the 11 month mark, I meet these two girls at a show and I can't entirely describe how or why, but they just like, we became like three best friends who did everything together, like yeah. sitcom vibes. Like I was with these two girls every single day <laughs> and like they taught me Arabic and I, I learned like the version of that culture that I learned from them was just the most affectionate, mm -hmm. warm approach to life that... I, I really hold a, an affinity for it to this day. That's beautiful. You yeah. should go to Beirut. You should travel more in the Middle East. I think you'll find there's a lot of that warm, affectionate, how do we embrace you? How do we make you feel like you're at home? Yeah. Like, make sure you want for nothing. Cook until you're full. Make sure your your bed is proper. Like, the whole, the whole nine, like, treat you like royalty type of thing. Because that custom of 
making a person feel like this is their family is such an integral part of yeah. that culture. I really love uh, cultures that embrace affection as like really critical. Mm-hmm. Like that's part of how I really fall, fell in love with living in Colombia. I was gonna ask you about that. You you took a you decided to I think it was to write the album. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote the vast majority of the new album. I wrote in Medellin. Which how, is just, how is that city? It's so cool. Is it? It's such I'm an incredible place. How long were you there for? Collectively, about two and a half months. Yeah. But that's over seven trips. The first trip was a month, and then I went back a bunch of times. And we shot the album cover there. We did some of the music videos there. It's just the most creative, imaginable environment. I it started learning Spanish. Stunning. How's your Spanish? I can speak conversationally in Spanish. Oh, good for you. Like I can't. The Arabic I've mostly lost. Mm. Like I got a bit like. Yeah. Yeah. Marhaba. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like kwes shukran. Yeah. I can do all that stuff. Um, or like there'd be like funny things like when I meet fans in line, um, who will tell me they're from Arabic speaking places, and I'll be like that kalamarabi, and they'll be like. The fuck? <laughs> That's always a fun moment. Yeah. I do think the Arabic helped with my Spanish accent, though. It's quite similar. Yeah. Yeah. Just some of the sounds are similar. There is, yeah. Mm. So, why Colombia? Mm. So, January 2021? Yeah, January 2020. Am I getting my years wrong? What, what's 2023? So, no, January 2022, I was at a friend's wedding in Buenos Aires and loved it i was mm. so excited about being in argentina and oh fuck i'm telling you the true story and it's like a t- it'll make some people angry <laughs> do it okay i'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> um anyways so i'm there i'm so inspired by buenos aires i love the city and i'm saying to a bunch of my friends who are there like i'm i'm gonna come live in buenos aires for like a month i'm gonna learn spanish and a few of my friends were like love that idea but like it'd be kind of funny if you had an Argentinian accent because Argentinian Spanish is a very specific kind of Spanish, okay. which is like the way I describe it is like, um, like in Mexico, I would say yo me amo JP in Colombia, but yo me llamo JP yeah. and in Argentina, show me llamo JP. Okay. Like the, the very double, the double L's and the Y's are, are pronounced as S H's, yeah. mm-hmm. which makes it like I was able to do interviews in Colombia. I was able to do interviews in Mexico in Spanish. I was not able to do it in Argentina. Okay. Um, it, so they were like, love the idea, but maybe don't learn Spanish in Argentina. <laughs> My apologies if you're Argentinian and listen to this. Um, I just wanted you know to have a slightly more accessible accent learning Spanish. So they recommended Medellin. And it really is like one of the centers of the music world in Latin America. And I just found it the most invigorating city. Like mm. across the board, creative, the mm. tattoo artists, the visual creatives, the film directors, the producers, the songwriters, just everyone is just on a level that I, I think is really exciting. I is mean, there... there's a reason that there there are some parallels between Medellin's role in the Latin music industry and Toronto's role in the pop hip hop industry, mm. because like Toronto has a has an, an over contribution right. to the music world. Um, to the pop music world, yeah. Like there's too many of us from Toronto. We're a small, like you know, what's Toronto like three million people now? Yeah, three two and a half. half. Three and a half. That's like crazy. We just hit forty million in Canada. I think Toronto was like two and a half when I left. But like, is it compared to a lot of American cities? Like not a huge it's not, city. No, yeah. But there are American cities bigger than our country. Our impact is bigger than our size. Yeah. You know, 
Um, and Medellin is similar in the Latin music world, where there's a lot of huge, huge Latin art, like Maluma, Balvin, yeah. yeah. Camilo, Carol G. Biggest names in the industry. If there's any one of those that you could work with, who would it be? I have a song with Camilo. Oh, do you? And he's okay. one of my best friends. Oh, very nice. So we're going to say him. <laughs> um, Is If there's one you haven't worked with yet. I mean, I would I would be so excited to work with any one of those people, but we'll say Carol G because yeah. that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, but like in Toronto, there's like just, there's too many of us. It doesn't yeah. make sense. People <laughs> ask me all the time, like, what is going on in Toronto? I'm like, I don't know. It's in the water. It's in the lake water. Like we've done something right, but yeah. like, I don't think it's our investment in arts and culture. Cause like, it's not like we've, no, it's not, it's not much like, I don't think you can give there. it to the government. <laughs> like I don't, no, <laughs> like what, what actually is it? Like, do I we think know? it's just a the combustion of everything. Diversity. Yeah. Like I really legit think it's just a mixture of so many people. You just see so many different people all the time. Like when you walk by and you see, you can see a black person with a white person and like, it doesn't, and like nothing, like nothing, I guess for the majority, obviously people, but like, you, cause you see it so much Yeah, it's, you go to other places and you don't see the, the multi, like, like it, it's, it's not as, it's so much it's more diverse, divided, it's, it's more, more divided. It's like pockets of neighborhoods that are representing different places. But here it's like, yes, there's the pockets where yeah, they, yeah. they might live, but they're still intersecting everywhere else. Mm. I wonder if there has been any like anthropological data set studies on a connection between diversity and creativity. Because like anecdotally, like a hundred percent, like yeah, everything yeah. about my life. Yeah, because we we accept other people's versions of things. Yeah. When there's no when there's no when there's when there's that divide, it's like doesn't matter what you're saying. I don't agree with you. Yeah. On on like because I don't like you doesn't matter doesn't matter what your opinion on anything is. You're wrong. Mm. Plus, it's like you don't view that person as yeah, cause and you take some certain things you would only learn from a Colombian. Mm. Right, or something you'd only learn from somebody who is is Arabic. Mm. Like you, not as much as it's in a book, whatever. Is unless like being cool with and hanging out with an Arabic person, you can't learn that through a book. Sure, yeah, true. Right, like I mean, you're not gonna learn like little Arabic nuances, or like all the stuff you learned unless you hung out with those two Saudi girls. I mean, it is, it is cool that when Saudi Arabia is talked about in the news, like I know that there are so many things that are affiliated in most people's association with that country, mm -hmm. but I just think about my friends. Yeah. <laughs> and changes your entire perspective, yeah, which is incredible because that's what happens when you meet people and you actually build a connection with them. Associating the identity of a human with the identity of the government running that country is insane. Yeah. And that's not, that's not how people you, work. No, no. At least not. not how it should work. I feel some people do, but it's not how it should work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure like there's integration in culture and governments but like the identity of a person is different than the identity of a country which is different than the identity of that country's current government like it's oh, yeah. all because the government's constantly changing but the, the type of people generally stays somewhat the same i think yeah, yeah. like so colombia was two months collectively about two months collectively yeah two months last year i didn't by choice travel well, I didn't recreationally travel to a non-Spanish-speaking place. Like, I traveled a lot for work all over Europe. and yeah. um, But every time that I got to travel and it wasn't for tour or promo, it was Bar a Barcelona trip, mm -hmm. uh, three times in Argentina, Uruguay, Paraguay, a yeah. bunch of times in Colombia, a bunch of times in Mexico. Fell in love with Mexico City. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I just, what like, is I, it about? So is it just you said that? I just want to speak Spanish so yeah. bad. It, Why? I mean, the, because we're doing a long-form conversation, the, the real answer is my mom spoke Spanish. Okay. And she passed early 2020. And I remember a version of my mom in Spanish that I didn't really know. Mm. Like, my mom had an incredible life, really extraordinary woman. But the 
adolescent era of my life intersected with the alcoholic era of hers. Mm. So like the version of her that I got from like 10 to 17 was just not really her. It was like her checked out, you know, a distorted version. Yeah. And, but I just remember, and she was this extraordinarily brilliant, joyful woman, but who I just, I, alcohol makes people someone they aren't, uh, turns you off. Um, like I say, you were just switched off. Um, but I remember seeing her with her Peruvian family and she'd just be so joyful in Spanish. And I was like, who is that woman? Like, I don't really know her. So something I've learned from her passing is that a relationship with someone doesn't end after they die. Like you can absolutely still, not just do you have the relationship you once had, but you can develop your relationship with someone after they've passed. And my way of developing my relationship with my mom has been learning Spanish and knowing myself in Spanish can and feeling, I feel close to her when I do things I would want to tell her about mm-hmm. and traveling in South America is something I would very much want to tell her about. That's so, beautiful. So that, that's why. I've never heard it at least so elegantly put that way where you can actually build a relationship with someone who's passed. Condolences, Thank by you. the way. But to build a relationship with someone who's passed in a way that like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just, it's such a, a different way of looking at it. I think a lot of people, I mean, when I think of anyone who's passed in my life, I go, I don't think I've actually ever done anything post that to develop that relationship. How did you, like, is this something you just stumbled upon or is something you consciously said, I want to work through? That was something my therapist said to me before she died. Because okay. I was talking about how, like, because my relationship with my mom was complicated because I really resented her alcoholism. Um, and she did get to a healthier place before her cancer diagnosis. But I was talking to my therapist about how I, I feel like I'm mourning the relationship I can have with my mom more than I'm mourning the relationship I did have. Hmm. Because like we were just kind of getting to a much better yeah. place as adults when she got sick. So I was mourning everything that could have happened. And my therapist was like, your relationship with your mom doesn't stop growing after she dies. Like you had 26 years with her. You've internalized who she is, who she was. And your understanding of her will inform your understanding of yourself. And you will see yourself through her eyes differently. And you will see her through your eyes differently as your eyes change. How do you see yourself differently today? From from when I was 26? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of who I am is still who I was when I was 16. I'm just a lot more okay with it. Like a lot of the things about myself that I thought I had to unlearn as a teenager have ended up being the thing that upon embracing them, my life got way better. Like when I was a kid, I was just like sensitive as shit. I was in my head all the time. I like was kind of effeminate, but was afraid of that. Um, didn't know what to talk to boys about. Just like wanted to talk to girls about my feelings and mm-hmm. like would get made fun of for like liking to sing. Like all of the shit that like as a teenager I got made fun of for is yeah. what has made my life awesome. Yeah. But I think the shift was, and it's really only over the last few years that it's like, nah, like, it's, I used to look at the concept of being a strong, confident man and think, 
Okay, well, that's not my concept of being a strong, ho- confident man, which is like a kid growing up in Canada, was like the hockey players. Yeah, <laughs> hockey bros. Yeah. Right? It was like, you're buff, you you get a lot of girls, you know how to be witty and funny, but usually at other people's expense, mm-hmm. and you know how to just accumulate life, wealth, women. Right. Like that was, and my version of confidence was, was like, tied to that. was tied to that. Yeah. So I thought, all right, I guess I'm not going to be a confident person because I can't be that. I didn't associate that like masculinity and confidence could also include sensitivity and emotional intelligence and vulnerability, which is such a buzzword, but like even like what does vulnerability fucking mean? And like to me, it means letting people you love see you where where you're not preparing yourself to be seen by them. Like let let yourself be seen in the version of yourself that you're not proud of and you haven't prepped. Side note, but it's why I argue with people who say my music is vulnerable. Um, because my definition of vulnerability doesn't include months and months of editing. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Like it's, this it's is raw. It. It's, it's raw, raw, authentic. Yeah, the first time. Like my music is authentic. It's sincere. But to synthesize an emotion in a three-minute song requires a lot of finessing, a lot mm-hmm. of editing, a lot of making sure that I have used the exact words, the exact melodies, the exact emotional structure to match what it felt like in my life with a piece of art. Mm. That's not vulnerability to me. Vulnerability is like the bravery to like get it wrong. Mm -hmm. The bravery to like be unfinished, to be like unprepared, to be like a mess in front of people you trust. As I am. Take me as I am, essentially. Yeah, it's like scary to be a mess. Sure. Because you, you, you never really know how the person's going to react. And even though you know that it shouldn't matter, it still in a way does sometimes. It's terrifying, and I don't know how to do it. Like, I get it conceptually that it shows more strength to be confident enough in who you are that you let people see you outside of who you think you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But then... It's so easy to think like, oh, like, no, nah, I, I want to be strong. Therefore, I'm never going to show up for anyone other than is exactly who I think my best self is. But it's just like your best self all the time has to include the freedom to be a mess. Yep. It's so like it's such a <laughs> mess and I don't get it most of the time. And it's like a constant like relearning experience. And some of it makes me want to vomit in my mouth. <laughs> so so how do you how do you work through those things? Because there's times where you know, there's a want or a yearning to to show up as you are. And then perhaps a, a subconscious wall just pops right up and you put on that show. How do you sort of, when you know you're doing that, because you have the self-awareness, mm-hmm. the fact that you can talk about it so openly means you know when it happens and when it doesn't. Uh-huh. How do you work through it? I mean, honestly, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm very much figuring it out. Okay. And there are situations that I mess up all the time something that like I'm, I'm trying to figure out currently is I think there's a really ingrained thing in men that part of what your value as a man is your ability to, to take care of other people hmm. um, and your ability to never be a burden hmm. like make other people's lives easier not harder and especially in the way that we love 
like make the people you love's lives easier in some way, help fix, don't be a burden. And that's so ingrained and something I've been thinking about lately is maybe it's not about unlearning that, maybe it's just about redefining what that means. Like maybe it's actually burdening people by refusing to ever burden them. You know, yeah. maybe like being deeply afraid of ever like being a problem for someone is actually burdening them with keeping yourself from them. Maybe them feeling not close to you because you refuse to show them any part of you that you don't feel confident in is burdening them. Yeah, and usually when you talk to somebody in that sense, you're like, I'll be a burden. And it's always, it's not a burden. No, usually it makes them feel closer to you. Yeah, it's like you and people. If you if you have the confidence, you know the people you can talk to. Sure, this is isn't, this isn't. We're not just going around crying on everyone's yeah, shoulder. Yeah, yeah. The, you know the person you can talk to. When you get to that person, even if it's one person, mm -hmm. but like hopefully it's a few more than just one person. But that one person you can talk to and go to that situation, and you tell them whatever it is that you're feeling. It's like I don't want to be a burden. That person's response should be, but usually is. Oh, man, that wasn't a burden. Why, like why didn't you come to me sooner? Yeah. Like like we could we could have we could have worked on this. And helped, like, you know, like, why did it take so long? Yeah. Why did it take you so long is usually, the, like, it's the response. And it feels so nice after you say something for somebody that you've been holding for so long. Yeah. And the response is, but why did it take so long? It's just like, right, even just that is just like. Oh, yeah, and how often me. when you do that, do they then say something back to you? And they tell you something. That they and, were dealing with. And you're like, you didn't tell me that? Yeah. Like, you, you know, realize you were both just holding right. it in. Yeah. And because by saying some shit that scared you or you felt weak in, yeah. you actually made someone feel safe to tell you something they felt weak in. And if that isn't like, to me, like That's definition of what, it, what does it mean to be like strong and masculine? Like make people feel safe. Yeah. But you can make people feel safe by showing them where you feel weak. Yeah. That's new. That's like something that I'm like kind of new to. Cause I, to I me, think like, a lot of men are new to that still. Yeah, because it's so antithetical to like what I, it's so the opposite of what I thought it was. Like I thought you make people feel safe by being strong, immovable, and confident. Mm -hmm. That makes people feel safe. Mm -hmm. You can make people feel safe by being a mess, by being like open, mm -hmm. by being, by telling them the things you're going through. That makes them feel safe to be themselves with you. Let, let them know that you got them, like that I got you makes you feel safe too, right? Like. And I think it also just reinforces the notion that we're complex human beings that can be someone who I like, I can take care of the ones I love. I can provide for the ones I love. And when I show emotions, when I show vulnerability, that does not necessarily take away from the former. I could still be both. And I think a lot of guys who feel like if they express emotions, so we, we've, we post clips and everything from these episodes we see comments around like, no, as a guy, you need to be able to control your emotions. You need to be able to like hold that in, not show it to, to your partner, to your friends. Otherwise, they'll see you as weak. And it's such a backwards way of thinking because what they fail to realize is by doing that, one, you're going to become the burden that you don't want to become because mm -hmm. then you're intolerable. You're, you, you've got your own problems that you got to deal with and you become a person that just they don't want to be around. Uh -huh. We see that with our fathers, our uncles, our grandfathers, we see it with that older generation. I think a lot of men need to start to realize that it's okay to express vulnerability. It doesn't take away from anything else. Yeah, and I think it's part of that is recognizing that vulnerability isn't this like weird, undefined thing where it's just like vulnerability means you can cry. Like, oversimplification. Mm. Like, like, like there's a part of me that like 
responds negatively to the word be more vulnerable. I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, what are you talking about? Like, there's a part of me that responds that way. Like, I've internalized that comment section. Yep. Like, there's a part of me that responds like that. But it's like, no, like, all we are saying is that there is a better way to make the people you love feel safe around you than hiding yourself from them when you feel weak. And I think it's like, it's it's not like we're saying all the time. No. It, and I think it seems like be vulnerable. Not saying like every not. single day, every single moment, just be vulnerable. Just like, yo, like, but like you can be. Like, like stuff hurts. I haven't cried since the Transformers movie. Like, <laughs> like, like you know, something, something hurts. And it's just like. True. It's the last time I cried, Transformers movie. <laughs> you know, like if you have a dog Which and your dog dies and you cry, that's okay. Because that's, that's regular human emotion. That's just, and, that, that's, I mean, that's, that's being that, sincere. That, yes. Like, but I'm just like, oh, I don't want to, like, you know. Gonna, when the parts of yourself that you hide from the people you love are the things that you are saying to them you think should be hidden. And you're yeah. saying to them like, nah, I, I'm, I'm not, we don't show those parts of ourselves and then they don't feel safe showing those parts of themselves to you because you are telling them that you don't think those parts of yourself need to be out right. there. And then everyone's just being less themselves yeah. because they're trying to be this like version of fucking put together. Yeah. Well, this person's at least here, so I got to be at least here until they open up. And it's okay. Well, like you know, and it's just just starting. So this is where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, it's not, me, yeah. it's not everyone. It's like yeah. it's your best friends. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the people you love, like the people that are in your life for a reason. Yeah, like you know. Do you find the this sort of journey or process that you're going through in terms of unlearning some of these things and learning some of these new things? How does that play a role in your relationships with? you know, family, friends, partners, yeah. like how does that affect all those? I want to say, I will answer that question, but I want to say sure. just a couple things about what we were saying a second ago. Yeah. Like to those people in your comment section, I understand why people feel that way because we have been taught to feel that way mm-hmm. our entire lives. Also, we are in a really blessed position that allows us to think about the intricacies of our emotional life all the time. Like, it's true. I get to think about the nuances of my emotional experience for a living. So, yeah, like, I've spent a lot of time to arrive at some of these ideas. Mm-hmm. If I had to go to a nine to five that didn't leave room for my emotions, getting home exhausted when I just, like, want to turn my brain off and do some hobby or, like, hang out with my best friends and or, like, with my partner or whoever, like... I don't, I think it would be hard to muster the emotional energy to re-understand what being a man looks like. Yeah. So like, I have a lot of compassion for people who like are saying like, I don't get it. Well, we also get those kinds of comments too. And I'm glad you touched on that where it's like, you know, I come from a part of the world where, and these are the comments, we come from a part of the world where we don't have the luxury to sit around and think about these things sure. because we're, there's either a war happening or I got to go to work and provide for, you know, three, four, five kids. And, you know, it's nice that you Westerners have the ability to sit yeah. there and twiddle your thumbs and think about all these things. Yeah. We don't. And I, and I feel for, for those people because I read that not so much in a negative way, but more so in a yearning way of I wish I could spend the totally. time you know, getting in touch with myself and better understanding why I'm resentful, angry, that kind of thing. And I have a a lot of respect for people who are making the people they love feel safe in those ways. Mm -hmm. Because I do think a big part of being a good person is making the people you love feel safe. Yeah. And there's a lot of ways to do that. 
in some places, it's fighting for your country mm-hmm. to make the people you love feel safe. Uh, in some places, it's working 18 hours a day to make your family feel financially safe. It's that for a lot of people in Canada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ways, which is the way we are talking about, that you make f- people feel safe is showing them that they can be comfortable in the parts of themselves that they are insecure about by being open with the parts of yourself that you are insecure about. That is a way to make people feel safe amongst a lot of ways that not everyone has the luxury to think about. Yeah. For sure. And then the the relationships component. How does all of this... Yeah, how does Um, this journey of yours sort of... How do you fit that into the relationships with friends, coworkers, you name it? I mean, I'm really lucky to have a strong community of both uh of of all genders of people mm-hmm. who can not only can have these kinds of conversations but actively want to um and i'm grateful for that that was you know when i was younger a lot of my closer friends were women because i just think it's more socially acceptable to have those conversations as a young woman and as a young man like i was still yeah, like afraid of that. Um, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. And I think that makes sense. Yeah. I have a lot more conversations about the nuances of my emotional life with uh, men now than I did 10 years ago. And I'm grateful for that. I'm, I'm grateful that I'm surrounded by people who have not seen, who aren't afraid to, to be imperfect around the people they love. It's a scary place to be. Sometimes, most it, times. It is scary. Making yeah. people feel safe usually means putting yourself in a scary place. Yeah, put yourself in danger. Yeah. yeah. I have a, a really good friend of mine. Um, there was a window of time during the pandemic where I was completely shut down. I had just gone through a, a split and kind of did that whole like internalize everything, bury it you know just not showing emotions no vulnerability nothing uh-huh. and one day it was just like i couldn't contain it anymore i'm trying to push it down can't contain it anymore and i call him and i just start talking to him how's your day what are you up to i know it's you know everyone's locked down there's nothing to do but let's just shoot the shit and then i i guess he sensed that i wanted to to talk about mm-hmm. something and so he's like he starts telling me about how him and his girlfriend at the time were going through some relationship stress Mm -hmm. and he expressed his vulnerability his fear and that he's like i don't know where this is going i don't know if it's going to end well like you know the pandemic is 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 exasperating all these things i'm not working and suddenly i was like this guy just completely opened up to me Mm -hmm. and i suddenly feel like it's okay for me to just tell him i'm scared as shit yeah i don't know what's gonna happen I don't my I don't know what my I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know what's going on with me. I can't figure it out. I don't know who to turn to. Uh-huh. And it was just this incredible moment. And I'm like, if you can capture that and share that type that moment with men who close down and don't talk about these things, uh-huh. we would have a much happier society. I think. No, it it's amazing how quickly people you don't necessarily see as open, vulnerable people, how quickly they share back with you when you start it. Mm -hmm. And one of the cool things about being an artist and a songwriter is I get to see that phenomenon with my songs. 
okay. because I will say something in a song in the same way that, and if a song means something to you and reaches you in the same way that in a conversation, if you share something, someone wants to share something back. If you share something in a song with a large amount of people, a large amount of people often want to then share their version of that story with you. And it's amazing how extreme this gets. I'll give you the most intense example of this. I have a song on my first album where I reference not being able to get hard for my ex-girlfriend. Mm -hmm. uh, while like we, we revisited our relationship and we like tried to have sex and it was the first time and she had broken my heart. Right. And then like, it was the first time I'd seen her in months and like we got into it and it was so emotional that like I couldn't do it. Yeah. yeah. So I put this in a song. It's like, uh, it's like we paid a, the lyric is it's like we paid a visit to a past life where I was still yours and you were mine and nothing had changed at all. Mm. I couldn't get it up for you the first time. Like my, like my body knew it wasn't meant in you or maybe it was just the Adderall. Mm. That's the Damn. <laughs> Hundreds of messages from people telling me similar stories. Yeah, because that happens. And guys, no, no other time in my life had a man willingly volunteered a story about some shit like that. No. But all of a sudden, everyone's like, Bro, me too. Yeah. Mm. And it takes one to just put it out there and say, yeah, this happened to me. So it's it's a bit of a magic trick. It, leading with the vulnerability. Yeah. And it's amazing how much closer it's just it can happen with your community like you. Because what you're saying is like, I care enough about you to be this open with you. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, oh, I guess that's how close I am to this person. I'm going to be that open with them, too. And all of a sudden you just have way closer relationships. Yeah. And all you had, and all you had to do was make them feel safe by sh putting yourself out there, making yourself feel safe with them. Whenever you find yourself drifting back towards shutting that down, mm -hmm. how do you work back from that? So it's a couple of things. Sometimes it's just because it's not with the right person, and like you can't do this with everyone. I have a. I, I'm going to interject for a moment. Mm -hmm. You did an interview, uh -huh. uh, I don't know the date of it, but you said something fascinating. You said you can meet someone who's incredible, mm -hmm. but that doesn't make them incredible in relationships. Or in relationship with you, yeah. With you, yes, yeah. What's the thinking there? I think for a long time I thought if I was deeply in love with a person, that was enough. Hmm. But... I'll give you my theory on this. I think there are three things, and again, please, like with every imaginable grain of salt, but I think I look for three things in my loving relationships, which I'm not currently in, but this is what I will look for in people and what I am looking for in people. And I see this in all of my friends who have been both in relationships that have worked and ones that haven't. The ones that worked have three things. The ones that haven't always were missing one of them. So they are, for me, it's number one, you have to be deeply in love with who someone is as an individual, separate from their connection to you. Do I love who you are really deeply? Mm -hmm. Number two is, do I love the way you love me? Mm -hmm. Do I love the way you show up for me, the way you support me, the way you show me affection, the way you are my partner? Do I love the way you love me? Uh, and number three is, do I love the kind of life and world you are trying to create? Because for this to work, I'm going to have to create it with you. Wow. So to your question, like someone can be incredible, but not incredible for you. Like maybe you have number one and number two, but you don't have number three. Maybe you deeply love who they are. You love the way they love you, but the kind of world they're trying to create 
isn't the one you want to try and create. Even if there's something wrong with the world they're trying to create, it's just, mm-hmm. it's not for you. It's not your dream. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with admitting that to yourself. No, I think like there's a bit of a pop culture, uh, a bit of a pop culture phenomenon that we hate in order to stop feeling like we love. Uh, if it's painful to love someone you're not with anymore, you replace your love with hate. Like the only reason for a relationship to end was like it wasn't the right person. Mm. But someone can be, you can really love someone. And like, that person's amazing. But when they picture their life in five years, it looks so different than what I picture in five years. Yeah. How am I supposed to do it with them? Yeah, that makes sense. It's but like that doesn't the, mean not I, on the same path. Yeah, that's not. Yeah. That doesn't need to mean resentment. That doesn't mean to be like, oh, they weren't who I thought they were. Yeah. Be like, nah, I was right about them. They're awesome. They're <laughs> wonderful. It's like I can love you, but like I'm not. I don't see myself being with you forever. It's such that's a nice it. way of looking at it. Yeah, there's a big difference between mm-hmm. like someone you're meant to be with in a moment and someone that you necessarily are meant to build with. Mm-hmm. Like I was meant to be with the people I was with. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't meant to stay with them. Because the world we were in was deeply compatible, but it got to a point where the world we were clearly trying to create was no longer compatible. And the recognition of that can be like very, very painful, but not wrong. And it doesn't circumvent or mean that everything it was wasn't beautiful and valid and important. Mm. Do you do you convert those emotions, those moments, those experiences? Do you intentionally seek them out? not new ones per se, but the ones that have happened to you, do you go back and seek them out for the purposes of creating music and creating art? When I write about the things I'm thinking about, Hmm. um, I journal a lot. So if something is on my mind, it usually stumbles its way into a song. Um, I usually won't go like, okay, like what do I have from the last month that I can write about? It's usually not that. It's usually whatever I can't help but think about, whatever Hmm. I'm thinking about anyway. What are you thinking about right now? Um, I'm excited to sleep. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you've been on the go the last couple of days <laughs> naps will be fun although it is nice to it's nice to like be with old squad it's yeah. like very nostalgic for me being yeah. in toronto because i feel like i'm i get to show up to this it's like a little sad also there's like a lot of it's an emotionally complex thing for me being back in the city but Why? well a lot of the things that toronto was to me just aren't here like you know, the house I grew up in isn't there anymore. Like, I have some of the same core friends, but a lot of people have, like, are in different versions of life. Mm-hmm. So, like, just a few of my core friends still are here. You know, I see my dad, which is special, but, you know, also complicated. And, you know, it's I was never an adult in Toronto. Like, I moved to L.A. when I was 19, mm-hmm. 30. So my entire adult life has been in Los Angeles. Yeah. It's like visiting a version of the world that is like, quote unquote, home. But I, the version of me that lived here was... It's completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Although his dreams were kind of my current life, which is cool. So that's part of what makes it joyful. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's sick. That you can that you can do that, that you can look back like that and, 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 and pinpoint those kinds of things. What What is, what isn't, what was what's no longer here yeah what would like 19 year old me be proud of me for what would he be mad at me for yeah did you always want to be an artist like from kind of i mean when i was in high school like i really wanted to work in activism yeah but i i i always loved 
the way songs made me feel close to people. Mm. I think people are my favorite thing in the world. And then followed close second music. But part of the reason I love music so much is because I realized at a pretty young age that it's a it's a cheat code for small talk. You just get right <laughs> past it. Yeah. Because like no one wants to talk to you about bullshit after you've sung them a song that made them feel <laughs> close to a part of themselves that they don't usually get they just close to. Talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. People, How, oh. No, no, no. Go it's just because people like people are the best. Mm-hmm. Like they're also the worst. They're also the worst. Like they're, like they're the <laughs> worst. But like it's, but the, I guess they have to be, because mm. balance, right? But it's, it's, it's just crazy how like you get some people, people. Some people are just so like great. Yeah. Like and but like just just to like to me like you know like that person might be not great to you, not great to but to me that person is great because it's always like a different version of it. It's like because with, without that person I wouldn't be me. Mm. Right, and but then it's just like some people are just so like bad, and it's always trying to think about like karma and stuff, and like it's karma real, and it's just like, but like some people are just bad people, and great things happen to them, mm. and, and it's so then like it's, it's so hard when it's like you have just like a nice person, a good person, and it's like bad shit happens to them too, and it's just it's just crazy because like just people just intertwine. It's always like meeting and talking to people in person is always like such a great thing. Yeah, I realized about myself. uh my fascination in, with humans more than anything else when I went to the Grand Canyon when I was like 21. Mm. Have you been to the Grand Canyon? No. It's really cool. Is it? Like, re- it's majestic looking. It's it's wonder of the world, like, god shit. It's yeah. like wild. Okay. It looks, it's mesmerizing and Have overwhelming. You seen the pyramids? No. I want to see the pyramids. I want to see which one was better. But when I went, to the Grand Canyon I looked at the Grand Canyon for maybe 30 to 45 seconds I was okay. like amazing and then for the rest of the day I looked at people looking at the Grand Canyon mm, yes mm. Pe- that's cause great, places like that are great to people watch yeah and that's what I was like I was fascinated by the way people were reacting to the Grand Canyon yeah, okay. like that was my that. wonder yeah and I, I think back on that a lot because it's like when I really definitively realized like okay like this is what fascinates me the most about the world like no matter where I am in the world like all, and I've been very lucky to travel a lot, and I have a, a career that allows me to travel a lot. Um, it's never the thing in the guidebook. It's never the, Mm-mm. hey, go check out this attraction. It's the person on the sidewalk, like, yep. and it's why when I do have time to travel as a human, not as a musician, I never try and go to a lot of places. Like, when I, it's the reason why I went, when I went to Medellin, I spent two and a half months collectively there. I didn't go to Cartagena. I didn't go to, well, I went to Barranquilla once, but it was like for a concert. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't like, okay, like let me go, let me fun. put pins in a map. And again, like some people love traveling that way and I don't think this is a better or worse. It's just a, what works for, for me. Yeah. I, I love traveling deeply, not more than I love traveling widely because the things that happen week two in Medellin, week three, mm. because of the person you met week one yes, who invited you to a thing yes. and then invited you to another thing and then you met these people and then you're at this event. It's like, that's what makes a city a city rather than like, oh, but like, you know, I've got a month. I could go to Lima and see, I could go to Machu Picchu and I could like hit Bolivia and like go to a bunch of countries and then I'll sail up into all these countries. It's like, nah, like. Yeah, so like you meet a guy. Cause I was in Budapest, you met a guy, you gave us cigars and like, you gotta come to the, this hotel after. And like. We didn't get a chance to go. It's one of the things you go because you, you you learn a whole different world. Yeah, and, meet, and then you might this meet meet this person. It's like, oh, like I got this party going on here, or like I got you got to see this thing that you got to like you wouldn't know 
otherwise. That's what makes traveling awesome. Yeah. Like when I was connecting with people, yeah, absolutely. When I was in Mexico City, like one of my favorite moments on that trip as I'm I'm walking um I'm literally walking down the sidewalk and I have this weird affinity to green doors. I just I like them. Whenever I see green doors, I take pictures of them. So there's this amazing like ten out of ten green door <laughs> in Mexico City. So I'm taking a picture of it. And as I'm taking a picture of it, a woman walks out of the door holding a basket of mangoes. And I'm apologetic. I'm like, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to take a picture of you. Like my apologies. Mm-hmm. Feeling like, you know, I've I've uh somehow like interfered with yeah, this yeah, woman's yeah. day. Uh and she goes, she goes, It's like that's okay, like, do you wanna come in? I was like, fuck yeah, I want to come in. Yes, yeah. And so me and my three friends go through this green door, and it turns out they're doing this uh, collaborative art night between a chef and a projection artist who has created a tasting menu around the artist's projections. And we were there till three in the morning having this meal and these projections. And like, that's the shit. Yeah. You know? That's the the experience you're not finding in a guidebook. Yeah. It's people. Yeah. When I was 18 years old, I went to, I spent three months in Africa, and the original game plan was to spend two weeks at this orphanage in Kenya, and then backpack down the east coast of Africa, like through Mozambique, Tanzania, Mozambique, and in South Africa. I ended up spending the entire three months in this small village because the more we built relationships with the people there, the more meaningful the trip got. Mm. So activism is really a big part of who you are. It, it was a big part of who, who, I mean, yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. It was more actively a part of my life when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. That's the thing teenage me would be angry at me for, for not integrating activism more into my music. Mm. Is that something that you're looking to do more of, or it's just not something? Yes, yeah. in a couple of different ways. Um, one of them is like talking about men's mental health because there's just like too many dudes dealing with severe depression because of the way that they think they're supposed to be a man. Mm-hmm. And I would rather have a conversation with them than be angry at them. So that feels purposeful. And I also feel like I'm in a certain position where because I get to get up on stage and have 15,000 people applaud me for my vulnerability, it's easy for me to see vulnerability as strength. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to see it as strength when people on the daily congratulating you for it. Sure. It's a lot harder when you're trying to do it with four or five people and you might not get that immediate gratification. So yeah. I feel like I can step into that and I can say some shit that's scarier for other people and then have those conversations. And it's been, and I see that being meaningful. Mm. Um, I also, th- I mean, it's going to be really important for me to find a way to uh, associate the album and the proceeds from the album and connect it to um I don't know exactly what yet, but something in Colombia, mm-hmm. just because like I was so inspired by that environment that it would feel bordering on exploitative if I didn't find a way to yeah. like put back into that community that I took so much inspiration from. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, 18 year old me, like I wanted to work in charities and we were putting on events in Toronto and we were doing these benefit shows like every, like once or twice a month and we we're doing it with the Drake underground and supporting different causes and doing it with different, you know, different artists in the community. And I was doing it with one of my best friends putting on these shows and I got this opportunity to move to Los Angeles and I was going to turn it down because I wanted to keep working on these projects we were doing in Toronto. And he goes like, JP, what's the biggest issue we're facing right now in, in like growing what we're doing? And, he, and I'm like, well, I guess we're having trouble getting like 
more famous people involved. He's like, you have an opportunity to go be that. Like, mm. You fucking idiot. Like, move to Los Angeles. <laughs> like, go be the person we're looking for. So I, I, I did. And I feel like I'm, <laughs> nice. like, 10 years later, a little bit coming back around on figuring out, like, okay, how do I stay true to that intention? Yeah. What does that look like in my life now? Because part of me feels like, you know, there's purpose in the art itself. Like, I do feel purposeful in creating music that is sincere in a way that allows people to get close to parts of themselves that are scary. Mm. But I do think the the associated elements of activism need to find their way back into my world, and I'm trying to be intentional about that. So on the, the men's mental health topic in particular, where do you think your music can lend support in that direction where do you think you as an artist as a person the person behind the persona Mm -hmm. can continue to push that narrative that conversation forward it's needed i think it's just part of it is i'm just in a position where it's less scary to say some scary shit right you know like i was talking to a buddy buddy of mine the other day and he had like gone home with a girl from the club and you know they're having sex and at a certain point he like he's kind of over it and like doesn't really want to anymore but she's like what's wrong like keep going and he doesn't really he's not really in it and then his body's not really in it and then he starts having like feeling like so insecure like what the fuck like, something wrong with me like why don't i want this like this i'm supposed to like he so he calls me like tripping out mm. i'm like dude like you're allowed to not want to have sex with someone. (laughs) Like, that doesn't make you less of a man. I think there is this mentality that has been ingrained into us that, and I think there's a reason for it. Here's my theory on it, working theory. I think, I'm I'm speaking in generalizations, I'm aware of that, but I do think women traditionally have more access to versions of intimate connection. You know, that could be like lying on the couch, like, cuddled up watching a television show having more consistently meaningful conversations about feelings those are all versions of intimacy Mm -hmm. i think the reason that like there's this cliche about like men always wanting to fuck in ways that women don't always isn't just that we have a higher libido i'm not even sure it's even that i think the reason is we're just craving intimacy and that's one of the only ways we allow ourselves to feel intimately connected to someone Mm -hmm. A thousand percent. So, like, we're just craving connection. So we're like, I'm just trying to fuck someone. Yeah. But ultimately, you're really just trying to... Sometimes, yes. But, like, sometimes <laughs> you just want to feel connected to you someone. Just want to connect. And you just don't have as many ways to do it. Because you don't know how. And if you have more ways to do it, and you learn... Because you don't know how, exactly. But if you have more ways to, to feel intimately connected, then sex also becomes way better mm-hmm. because it actually becomes about... That intimate connection, yeah, the intimate and connection it becomes grows. associated with those things. So, yeah. this, anyways, back to this buddy of mine. I was like, dude, like, that's like we have to normalize like men being like. Yeah. I'm like I'm kind of like I'm sorry I'm not in it. Yeah, and that doesn't make you like a fucking you know Anything. insert expletive. <laughs> yeah, like because like the self talk there. Is like so detrimental. Well, self-talk is such a huge thing. Like in that, I you know, I know that moment. I know mm. that moment's like, it gets real ugly. Yeah. Like you're calling yourself any number of things that I would feel uncomfortable saying out loud. Oh, 100%. And I think the, the thing with self-talk is if you, 
if you were to say those like if the things that we say to ourselves sometimes mm-hmm. stop and think to yourself would you go and say that to your closest friend like if your buddy is sitting there he's going through it would you go up to him and say you're an idiot you're being stupid uh-huh. would you say any of that if the answer is no why are you being so harsh on yourself yeah why are well, you telling the, yourself these things? And the people who do say that to other people, you know that they are being doubly fucking oh, cruel to themselves. Yes, a hundred percent. And those people are not people you even want in your circle at that point. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it, honestly, it's it's it really is a journey. It's a mm-hmm. process. It's mm-hmm. not easy because it, it requires a an amount of self awareness to simply say, "Hey, I'm I'm being really negative with myself." Well, yeah, and it doesn't always get positively reaffirmed Mm -mm. like for example you could easily be in a situation where like let's say you're hooking up with a girl for the first time and you're going through some shit in your life Mm -hmm. any number of things someone someone in your family sick you're stressed about whatever and like you're fucking for 10 minutes and then you get distracted (laughs) (laughs) yeah normal Yeah. yeah and then you're not in it yeah and rather than just being like hey, like, can we just take a second, like, watch a TV show? Mm. You, like, are trying to keep yourself in it. But, like, you might not actually get understanding from the person you're with. The person you're with could also go, like, oh, they're not attracted to me. Mm -hmm. They don't find me sexy. They don't want me. And then your insecurities are touching their insecurities, and then you're just in a fucking insecurity blender, and then everyone's (laughs) angry at themselves. So it, like, doesn't always go well. That doesn't mean, like, it's not worth putting in the effort to try yeah yeah but like it isn't always positively affirmed so back to your question like how do i use like whatever version of life i have to have those conversations it's like it's just it's easier for me to talk about this shit because i get like it's less of a risk i don't it's not a huge risk for me right like i am rewarded for talking about my feelings mm-hmm. you get like, a lot of affirmation as a as a person who succeeded affir- in society yeah. yeah like a lot of it i yeah. get fame and money and affection for those things. So of course it's fucking easy for me to do it. It's not as easy for most people. What advice would you give those people? The ones who are challenged in in, in expressing their vulnerability, opening up about these things, are they're genuinely trying to find a way through but don't know where to start. Yeah, I mean on the I'll first say on the other side of it being fucking terrifying, your life does get better. You do build closer relationships. I would also say that it will life will be better in ways that you don't necessarily know how to come up with. Like, neither me nor you knows exactly what is going to happen that will make your life better, but there will be something better than your ability to come up with what it should be. Mm -hmm. Like, whatever you think it could be, like, it'll actually be better than that because it'll be meant for you. Because when you show up to the world with your fears, with your anxieties, with your honesty... I wholeheartedly believe that even if in moments it is fucking difficult, and it is, the way to build a life that is honestly meant for you is showing up honestly. When it's scary and when it's easy. Yeah. Well, honestly... (laughs) Another piece of advice I would say, I was like, let yourself get it wrong. Yes. Like, let yourself get it wrong. Like, if you fuck it up the first five times, like, it's fine. Like you don't, you don't have. To, it's, it's okay. It's a process. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a process. I mean, and like, like try, try it a little bit. 
Like, you know, if, like, it, if it hurts, it means that's it's supposed to. Like, like difficult journey. Like, it's going to be hard at the beginning. That's what, yeah. That's what best journeys are, man. Like, like, and it's getting through it and then get through the... the successes on the other side of hard. You know, with the, with the hurts and then it's okay. Then it gets easier and easier. Then you look at it and it's like, how was it even that difficult? Yeah, yeah. When you look back now, like, when I look back now to that exact conversation I talked about earlier, I go, that was so easy that but i built it into this massive thing like i was somehow a a trailblazer breaking down this massive wall for all society and i realized all of that was in my head and it was just once i had that one conversation i realized how easy it was to have these conversations gets easier yeah and then suddenly you're just you're not carrying all of this weight yeah i mean maybe the simplest way to start is like the next time someone you love and who loves you and you feel close to like ask you what's up tell them give them a real answer say something slightly like just give them slightly more than you want to and yeah. see what happens don't even just, have to give them all of it just nudge it a little try it like, test the what dip your toe in to rather than be like no like i'm good like shit's chill mm-hmm. try like you know what like i i've been missing so and so a lot today and then see how they react yeah just try it. that person's gonna be like why would i like you know and if they just say okay then maybe that's not the person you open up yeah to. Or like try like I'm stressing about this or like this person like said some shit that like didn't feel good. Yeah. Just like try it. See what happens. Sometimes it's fucking awesome. Sometimes it doesn't work, but more often than not you end up having a conversation you didn't expect to. Yeah. And I think people will surprise you. I, they often do. Yeah. For better or for worse. I think there's a there's a lot more people out there who want to have these conversations than they let on. Yeah. Especially for men and in, in, in your in your circle of men, the ones in your life, when you open, when one person has that one conversation, you realize how quickly the dominoes fall, and each other one goes, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." You yep. know what? I can actually now tell you how anxious I've been at work because there's a promotion coming up, and I don't even know if it's going to work for me, and if it doesn't, what does that mean? And all these things, and they, suddenly they're like, "Wow, I've been holding on to that." Yeah, and then even physiologically, you then feel more joy. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you like open up that, like the door that you are using to keep all your bullshit in, you open that up a little bit, you let some of it out, you've now, like you're now more open to receiving the shit you want to feel. Like it's the same door. And improves everything else, your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health. And then you suddenly start to feel like the the dreams and ambitions that you had are attainable and you're in a better headspace, you're kinder, you're you're more willing to you're open to new things. It's just it, it all snowballs in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know Waves. It's it's, 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 it's like, not a static it's not this, it's like kind of one of these. Yeah. It's, ro- like it's a roller coaster. Collective right? up. It's a roller yeah. coaster. Right? But always in, in the right direction, I think. Like I there, believe. And like the caveat is like there are some days where I don't want to talk to anyone about shit. Yes. Usually, and those are usually days where I'm tired or I haven't eaten very well or I like I didn't work out, I didn't get enough sleep. Like physiologically, I'm just not feeling open, mm-hmm. and like that makes it way harder. So, but yeah. it's also about being in tune with your body to know. Yeah, like you don't have to talk about it all the time. But it's like that, like today, I don't still feel like have it. to talk about yeah. anything, right? It's just like yeah, maybe I don't feel like talking about it today, but it's okay. Like, plant that thought. Yeah. Like, you know, and then deal with it. And okay, well, you know, find someone you can talk about it with at some point. No, just keep up. Okay, well, I don't have time to deal with that. I'll talk about it later. Think about it later. And then that later never happens. And it, yeah. then it builds up and it builds up. Time is long. And, yeah. and like, you you have one conversation this week that you're a little bit less comfortable with. Maybe you have two next week. Mm-hmm. And then it just, it just gets easier. It's like, yeah. it's literally like lifting weights. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, JP, 
on the topic of time, we're we're at about an hour. Oh, look at us go! It flies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you got coming up? You said you mentioned the album. Yeah, the album comes out in September. Uh, I'm touring with John Mayer. Nice. That's pretty cool. It'll be fun. Yeah, we're doing. We toured in the spring together. We're touring again in the fall. Um, and then uh, headline tour next year. Nice. Very cool. I get to come home, play Toronto again. Very nice. Next year we're touring North America, South America, Europe, Asia, UK. It's like a Mr. Worldwide. Where shit's shit's coming true. Nice. Good for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Congratulations on all of that. It's deserved. This is cool what y'all are doing. I appreciate you having me. I appreciate you facilitating these conversations. Thanks for coming out. I think it's gonna you know mean either a whether it means a lot to a lot of people or it means a lot to one person who's like slightly less miserable because they had a different kind of conversation with someone than they meant to. Like there's, there's purpose without the metrics of it. And I appreciate your commitment to that purpose. Thank you for saying that because that's why that's, that's our why our why isn't we want to have the, the best podcast in the world based on numbers on metrics. It's because it moves people it opens the door to these kinds of conversations for the people that are listening to, to say, Hey, Oh, my favorite artist just said this. Sure. If, if JP says that maybe then I can actually go and try it. And then suddenly they try it and their life improves in the right direction. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that, your stories. Thank you for opening up to us. You don't know us. You just showed up and you're like, Hey, let's talk about this. <laughs> and, and we're grateful that you've spent that time with Wait, us. Hey, well-dressed men talking about their feelings. <laughs> fucking here for it. <laughs> And we'd love, listen, we got to do this again the next time you're back in the city. Well, thanks for and, having me. I appreciate uh, it. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, Poncho, we appreciate you. Poncho's a huge fan, by the way. Thanks, Poncho. <laughs> and uh, if you haven't done so already, please, you know, do the whole shebang, the subscribe and everything. Speaking of metrics, because it does get the ability to have more of these conversations. Yeah, I think people need to go listen to the that song we were talking about. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's <laughs> it's a sh- it's a short one, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> but that's ultimately how we get more of these conversations to the point that your friend made all those years ago. If you want to get this, if you want to get notoriety on the thing you're trying to do, you got to get the right voices in the room. Sure, your voice is the right voice because you live and breathe it, and that's why it matters. So thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.